Well, here we are once again at a very packed record cafe, at Capacity Record Cafe in North Parade in Bradford. And we're speaking to Andrew Hebden, formerly of the Telegraph and Argus, and James Mason, formerly of Bradford City, and now the head of the 59 uh, Agency. Agency? Is that right? Yeah. So, James, one of the things you started off with was one of your hashtags, Bantam's Family, and how you came to engage with the club. So, just give us a, a very brief background of what sort of a Bradfordian are you? Oh, uh, I, I would say I'm a very typical Bradfordian, you know, really typical. A miserable? <laughs> uh, no, okay, maybe I'm not then. I'm, I'm ultra positive. I'm always positive about everything, especially my club, but also about the city of Bradford. And actually, I'm, I'm on a bit of a campaign at the moment to, uh, you know, really get Bradford bouncing again. We're setting a dementia cafe up in the next few weeks. We're bringing some big names to the city again as well over the city over the summer because... I, I'm I'm just a really proud Bradfordian. I grew up in a place called Bankfoot, which is just about a mile out of the city centre. Uh, Richard Dunn's, uh, Wibsey, uh, West Bowling, and Bowling Park were all places that I would go to, you know, weekly as, 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 a, as a boy growing up in Bradford. Uh, and and that's probably where my love affair with Bradford City started. You know, going with my uh, father, and my cousin. As a, as a young man, first season was the 1985 season. Didn't go to many games, wasn't allowed to go to many games, but I was badgering my mum to, to let me go to games. Um, but out, out there, I'm, I'm a typical Bradfordian. I'm, I'm working class, uh, I'm honest, I think I'm pretty genuine, um, and, and I do really extol the virtues of, of being a Bradfordian because it was a great place to grow up, it was the city that built me in many ways. Did you, Andrew, did you go through the same sort of process? Were you, were you born into the Bantam's family? Was that it? Was no choice? No, I, I'm, um, I'm, I have a dirty secret, which is that I was uh, <laughs> right. I was actually born in Leeds, um, but grew, grew up in Otley. And um, uh, I wasn't really into football until a mate of mine, who was a big, my best mate, who was a Sheffield Wednesday fan um, in, in Otley, and, and he was trying to get me into football, and he had a bit of a soft spot for, for, for Bradford. He dragged me along to a game against Chester City, um, which uh, we won 2 1, and uh, there were three players sent off. And, and I was sat that, the, was sat a, the f- that was the famous John Dockett game where he it said was, <laughs> it was difficult playing against nine men, yes, <laughs> indeed. Indeed, um, yeah, sat on the front of the uh, on the fence of the front of the cop, um, and I was just hooked. Um, my mum and dad were both Leeds fans, and um, you know, they were like a bit amused by my sudden interest in football, but. Um, and more bemused by the fact that I adopted sort of City as my team. Uh, but growing up in Otley, um, I was certainly in a minority, but there was a, there was a hardcore of us City fans. And uh, I always said that, well, actually, from Otley, Valley Parade was nearer to, to Otley than, than Ella Road. So uh, that was my, they were my home team. And, um, and um, I've had a season ticket ever since. You know, I've lived in, I lived in Aberdeen for three years, but still had a season ticket. Uh, I now live in Northumberland, still come down for... Um, obviously, I have a season ticket, but still come down for as many games as I can. Um, it's, in- it's interesting that there's always a moment. There's, no, it's always a no, well, yeah. But there's always a moment where you go to a game. My dad was a Park Avenue fan, yeah. and, and I went to I went to watch Bradford City. I can't, I can't remember why he dragged me along. There was something about the claret number stripes, about the black shorts, about the industry as there was then round the ground. Did you get that, James? Where, the first time you went, there was something that just clicked with you. Oh, I, I fell in love, it was love at first sight for me, um, and as I say, I can't remember the, 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 the actual game, but it was an evening game, and it was just the theatre that surrounded him, the, the smells of tobacco, of beer, of bovril, and the, 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 the walk up the steps of Midland Road that we used to stand in, and when you walk, walk up the steps, 
and in that, in that little stand that it was but the luminous grass the bright light in fact I fell in love on the way you know what you know you know the way football grounds just appear out of nowhere if, an away trip where you go to a club for the uh, you always look for the floodlights the floodlights are just there's just a big glow <laughs> that might be about four or five miles away and you can just sense it and the anticipation is just so exciting um, but no I, I fell in love very quickly and I fell in love with the, the whole as I said the whole ritual of it and that became a ritual of going to Morrison's on Rooley Lane and getting my beef hula hoops and getting to the game I'd, be, I'd have the full kit on the full tracksuit on the shin pads on you know it was a really exciting time for me and then the people that you nod at that you don't know you don't know the names you probably sit next to people for 15 years you nod at them you chat and you never go by the way what is your name and where do you look you just We'll be the, I think Bradford City fans will be the greatest sleeper sell of all time because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've known people for what, far too long probably four decades now and my missus would say well who is that bloke I said, um, well he's called Dickie um, you wouldn't know who we're talking about away, yeah, yeah. what's his name I don't know he's called Dickie where does he live I have no idea is he married I don't know so it would be brilliant it's never a question you ask no it doesn't I think, I think the point James made about it's interesting your first game was under floodlights and so, so was mine and I think that has always been for me, you know, a real pull of Valley Parade yeah. under the lights. And uh, it's Bradford, isn't it? It's, it's an yeah. indivisible part of the city, yeah, yeah. tucked in amongst the terrace houses on its on the slope. There used to be industry. It's now we have, now Tesco's or something. But it, it just felt like it represented Bradford. Yeah, absolutely. And, and talk about the steps. I mean, this doesn't work very well on the podcast, but you know that's still yeah. you know that's, the that's brick road. For me, it, was, it was terrible on the podcast. Actually, there's a picture of something. Well, why don't you describe the picture then? Well, the, 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 uh, the, 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 the yellow step, the yellow steps in in the cot, which um, obviously back in '99 was still relatively new, and uh, that that bright yellow still sort of sticks with me and. Uh, yeah. Um, and uh, you know that's been my uh, been my uh, uh, on my phone for for many years now, and, and that um, and on my on my, one of my social media profiles, you know, I've got a picture of the old Midland Road stand and the shed, um, which uh, which th- those are the kind of icons for me from the early '90s when the football under, as we know, under Doherty was, was obviously dreadful, but yes. but it was all those other things that kind of stuck in the mind and and made that connection that. You know, uh, both of us in our professional lives have subsequently had the opportunity to. Well, you've mentioned, you mentioned professional lives, so let's stop professionally now. Both <laughs> of you gentlemen end up in the media. Yeah. Do you think that your football support and youth led you to that career? Was, was, was it a steer towards, or, or was it a complete accident? Can I go first, Andrew? Yeah. Uh, no, it was, it was predetermined from the moment I realised I was a terrible footballer. <laughs> uh, so, as I said, I went to Valley Parade in the full kit. <laughs> Shin pads, complete with tracksuit. I went with my junior bantams, little uh, 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 football bag with my plastic cup in it that I pour my drink into. So I all, only wanted to be a footballer. Uh, sadly, <coughs> that that route was never an option. <laughs> I was terrible at football, so I'm not going to pretend that there was ever a career beckoning for me. But very quickly, I uh, you know I was very inquisitive. I loved stats. I keep all the programs. I loved everything about you know research and, and any, anything to do with you know. Uh, uh, football memorabilia but what I did very quickly realise at Bradford was that um, there was a, a section that was different to anyone else in the ground above the dugouts that, where people like they were doing a job um, people with predominantly men uh, but there were some women in there as well writing things or people with headphones on not dissimilar to your lovely red ones there Dave um, and I asked my dad I said what, what, what are these guys what, what are they doing oh they're called journalists son 
Uh, oh, what's a journalist? Oh, well, they get uh, their, their job is to report on the game and they get paid for it. They would write about the game for the newspapers, the TNA, and so on and so forth, or Radio Leeds, or it was uh, Pennine Radio back then. And I went, it was a light bulb moment. Sorry, you can get paid to watch football. And that was my plan for the rest of my life, although, unlike Andrew, I probably went through it by default. I wasn't particularly gifted with English. Andrew will, will testify because he wrote most of my press releases when I was at Bradford <laughs> or, or corrected them. The sentiment was there. So I, I was never going to be a, a written journalist because I wasn't strong enough, but passion was my thing, enthusiasm. And yeah, I, uh, I pursued a career as a, as a football journalist from the moment I was eight. I just didn't realise it until I was about 22 and I was lucky enough to commentate on Bradford uh, in a terrible season under Brian Robson but then I was lucky enough to um, cover them a couple of years later and then then yeah, I, had a, I had a great career as a journalist. But yeah, it was Bradford City, undeniably, and the early years of watching them that made me want to work in sport and hopefully cover Bradford City. Andrew? Uh, for me it's... Um kind of totally different really I mean I came into journalism uh, because I wanted to be a journalist um, and interestingly was it I, a sports journalist well no so, so I kind of took the opposite view to James that for me <laughs> Saturday was my downtime that I wanted to be on the terraces watching watching my team uh, and that's what I wanted to earn the money for to, to be able to go and do that and you know go I was home and away you know in my sort of teenage years uh, every, every game uh, that I could possibly get to so um Actually, the idea of sitting in a press box, even, you know, the idea is particularly not being at Valley Parade on a Saturday, was like my, I just couldn't, couldn't get my head around that. So, um, but I still wanted to be a journalist because I was the, all the other bits of journalism um, attracted me to it. Um, it certainly, City was a factor in why I ended up at the TNA, definitely, because I had a few options when I qualified where I could go and work and um, the, the opportunity to go and work on a, on a good paper, actually, and a really newsy patch. Um, was great and, and I knew that I'd have the chance to kind of be in the same newsroom um, as David Markham and, and later uh, Simon uh, Parker and, um, and so that was good and then it was really by chance that unfortunately uh, when I was there <laughs> everything went disastrously wrong I'd kind of got a bit of an interest in sort of business side of, of reporting so I was looking after that so when City suddenly became the biggest business story in town um, then um, it was like my which, dream which, gig in a way. Which collapse was this, 2002, 2004 or both? I covered yeah. them both, both, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so I, was, I started the TNA. I actually started the TNA the day after the riots. So I had, um, you know, not you know, a pretty newsy, newsy patch at the best of times, but incredible time to be learning your trade because I started as a tra uh, trainee. Um, and then, yeah, City suddenly became this story and, and I, I ended up in a in a bizarre position really where particularly during the, the Gibb Rhodes sort of standoff uh, where there was I remember one day I was living in Saltaire at the time and I was I was literally they weren't talking to each other uh, but they were talking both talking to me because they realised the importance of having that kind of link into the supporters through the paper because at that time obviously social media and all that there was no alternative but to go from the TNA and I, I remember where they were you know that it was the day after that uh, Gibb had gone on the pitch and, yes, and, famous, uh, yeah. and uh, said a few words about the Rhodes family and they were away they were all away and I actually rang Julian that night and said you're not going to believe what he's done he's, um, he's gone on the pitch and this has happened and obviously Julian and David were, were furious about it um, and the, that following day the Sunday uh, I was, was one of the worst days of my life because I genuinely thought 
what was going to happen here was the club was going to was going to disappear because both both very proud men um, and both probably wanted the best for the club but they weren't going to work with each other um, and I was literally begging them both to please kind of let's sort this out so um, it was an extraordinary time to be doing it and then run the Save Our City campaign um, and so there was there was sort of highs and lows of the game the, the game that we organised at Mali Parade yes, where we got over well. 10,000 people yeah. was probably you know, really proud of that and really proud of the 250 grand that we, that we raised um, you know even the TNA chucked in 10 grand you imagine that happening these indeed days. yeah um, so there was uh, yeah there was loads of stories you know uh, uh, Jeff Richmond you know when I, I broke the story about the debt the 36 million pound debt I think it was probably more than that I spent four hours in his office going through the accounts with him when he sort of uh, revealed all that to us and you know he was an extraordinary character as well so I was you know it was really it was kind of chancery you know the journalism led me into into the football ground in a in a way I never envisaged never envisaged and in a, um, in a way I wish it never happened mm. but equally um, I'm glad that I was able to at least bring some positivity to it in the end through the campaign absolutely See, I, I remember that campaign vividly um, did you learn from it yeah yeah definitely I, th- I think the outreach um, at the time of desperation as Andrew um, alluded to then um, you know when 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 a, when, a, when a Bradford City fan is writing about um, you know potential extinction of your club you, you take note so Andrew you know not many people would have known who Andrew was if I'm if I'm being fair to him or that he was a Bradford fan but um, only now latterly do I do I realise that you know that must have been some uh, some challenge because you know you're doing your professional duty as a reporter to report on facts um, or what you can report if that makes sense while you're trying to work with these relationships in a really difficult scenario as you say you've got Gordon Gibb who was trying to do his best for the club as I said about Eddie earlier on Eddie only had the Positive intentions with his club. He didn't plan to screw we'll it all up. There. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. So, so I remember that. I remember the TNA. You know, it was a, it was a front page and a back page story every day every for day, a long every. time. The whole club got the whole city got behind it. Even you know the likes of my mum who wouldn't describe herself as a football fan knew how important it was, and it just it just um, amplified how important a football club is to any city really. And the, the TNA knew that. The teenager were probably thinking, without the football club, we've got very little to <laughs> to talk about or sell or, or sell papers. So it, it really hit home to me at that point. And listen, Andrew, what, what, forgive me for saying this, but he played a massive part in saving Bradford City, and I think Julie would echo that as well. Um, so well done, Andrew. <laughs> so James, you you came very a very similar sort of route to get to Bradford City itself. So. Describe, how did you become involved with the football club? Was there a, a sudden moment where you were rung up and says, come down here, you can do a fantastic job, or was it a series <laughs> of small accidents that led to... Uh... Listen, so again, when I was a young kid, first of all, I wanted to play for Bradford. That was never going to happen. We established that quickly. Then I wanted to report on them, and I look at, you know, was fortunate enough to do that. But in the back of my mind, I probably somehow unknowingly thought I would always work for Bradford City. I don't know why. Uh, maybe in the commercial department or hopefully one day in the press department whatever. or own the place or something like that <laughs> oh, yeah one, one, one day we all dream about being the owner <laughs> still time, still time. <laughs> I've got four quid there's a bid Stefan um, I, um, and what, what happened was I was happily working for the BBC happily uh, with my own uh, business and I'd just followed the 2013 cup run as a, as a fan and it was just wonderful 
Um, and at that point, I had a, a little bit of money in the business that I thought I'd like to just sponsor a game. I think myself and the family had done a, a Christmas um, Boxing Day game in hospitality, and I thought, Do you know what? I, I, I'd like to sponsor a game. And I actually asked for, I asked my little network of people, did anyone have Mark Long's number? Because Mark was the front man for the club. We know Julian was probably pulling all the strings, but Mark was the front man. I thought, I'll try approach Mark and, uh, and, and, and do a bit of sponsorship. I probably should have gone through David Baldwin, but I don't know why. Someone mentioned the new Mark. Anyway, uh, no one had Mark Long's number, and then out of the blue somewhere, uh, um, I, I managed to get Julian Rhodes' number. Well, he run me, or I run him. It might be Andrew who gave me. Anyway, before you know it, I'm speaking to Julian, the silent man, you know, the man that you know we all ever heard of from. And uh, we got speaking, and we arranged to meet uh, at a hotel in Bradford. And I don't know if this is true or not, but I think he might have thought that I was a saviour. I think he thought I was the next Mark Lawn. Millions of pounds. Little did he know I was thinking about about a thousand pounds to sponsor a game. Anyway, we just got chatting, and he, you know, to this day, I, I owe him a huge debt of gratitude that he gave me his time. But that shows the testimony to the man. He, he was prepared to look at any avenue that could help the club. And I, we spent about three hours talking about our love for the club, favourite games, favourite players, what what Phil Parkinson meant to the club, what it meant to be a Bradford City fan. Not once talking about actually why we were there. You know, I think I had about six pints. Um, I think Julian had two cups of coffee. Uh, and he said, "Right, dead blunt. This is how he is. Right, well, why are we here? What, what, what can you do for the club? Are you, are you going to put some money in? Are you going to do this, that, and that?" Which point I'm going, "Ah, if you think I'm a money man, I'm not. I've not got the money. But what I do have is boundless energy, unlimited love for this club. And what I do think I could offer is maybe just." Um, a little bit of um, special sauce, shall we call it, to what we were currently doing on the pitch as a football club. Phil Parkinson and Julian had, had mastered that uh, mirror marketing of players replicating the fans, and I just thought with a couple of that, we just needed to probably catch up with other clubs that were brilliant in terms of social media and marketing campaigns. And I said, I think I can do that. My contacts in the media allowed me to get a bit of access to the likes of Ian Dennis for Phil Parkinson who already knew each other um, on, on, on North on Sky Sports and I said I'll just offer you that no no no, no. And, and it was a six week agreement where Julie went listen six weeks we're not going to pay you because uh, we, we can't afford it and you might be rubbish and, uh, and we just did it for six weeks then as luck would have it the FA Cup run started with Halifax Town we had a big uh, game against Dartford and we beat Dartford we got Millwall and of course we all know what happened with Millwall we got Millwall and then we drew three all and we got Chelsea and we just started building this whole idea of this connectivity engagement Bantam's family and it just grew from there from a six week sabbatical of no pay to three days of a little bit of pay to a full time job for four years that's 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 what happened and I'm very very grateful of, of that and then of course we, we, we come to that probably put Bradford City on a, on a global profile, the Chelsea match and all that sort of thing. Perhaps even started earlier than that with the, the League Cup run in 2013. Yeah. So we begin to attract interest from abroad. You're working at the club and then suddenly these two German chaps appear who come along, um, Edin Rake and uh, Stefan Rupp, to buy the club. What, what were your initial thoughts when, when these fellas appeared? Well, a little bit of me, a little bit of me was heartbroken when Julian explained that they were going to sell the club and that, that was the fan in me that was the, 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 the young man in me thinking oh no I love it being owned by Bradfordians and people that really love the club but 
as a father and as a, as a business owner, Julian explained that it was the right decision for him and the right decision for the club because, you know, at some point we're going to run out of luck. You know, our business model was built on selling a player or a cup run to fill a deficit uh, and that meant that Julian and Mark didn't have to put any of their own money in, at which point, you know, neither of them had probably much. <laughs> um, so the idea of selling, um, and we were often approached by... Um, quasi businessmen who thought they were going to save the club but they weren't and Stefan and Edin were genuine you know at this point you know German football was the world leader yeah, you know, Bundesliga uh, model and all that yeah, stuff exactly you know fan engagement winning the World Cup winning the European Cup um, you know clubs like Bayern Munich etc were, were all the rage it seemed to fit and they came up with the, the price that they asked for the club but when I first met them I was delighted in that I saw two men that, that echoed everything that Bradford fans wanted to hear hard working uh, respect for the, the, the club's traditions they mentioned this in Matter of Heart and they refer to it regularly that we are almost pseudo Bradfordians we get it we're from an industrial part of Germany we're going to do all this so yeah I, I was blown away I thought this is great this is, this is brilliant uh, but, very but at the same time, Phil Parkinson left. Well, do you know what? And, and I think, as, I think, as the the sands the, the, the sands of time run out, we will realise that that was a pivotal moment. Phil didn't probably want to leave the club. He was part of a big project. We just lost to Millwall. He knew what he had to do in the summer to to add to the squad that that, that was existing. And I think he took one look at Eddie and went, "No." Uh, and I run the football side of it. I'm the figurehead. We've got success here. And Edin told him that that wasn't going to be the case anymore. I'm going to um, I'm going to be involved in football transfers and who we pick and how we play. And I think for Phil to leave to Reading or Charlton or any other club that we would have understood, fair enough. But for him to go to Bolton, a basket case at the time with all their finances, just said, "Get me out of here." Yeah, yeah. As quickly as possible. But we got Stuart McCall on board. Yeah. We had a great season. We got to the playoffs, and. Surely that was overachieving. Surely the Bradford City had somehow fallen on its feet, but apparently it wasn't like that behind the scenes. Because to us as supporters, it seemed like everyone was going swimmingly. We all cheered when Eddie and Stefan came on the pitch at Fleetwood when we got to the yeah, final. Yeah, yeah. We all thought everything was fine, it was all wonderful. But it wasn't like that, was it? No, and, uh, and I think um, the, the, the writing was probably on the wall, albeit very few of us knew, when Phil decided to leave. Um, because I think Phil probably thought this is you know, okay. Julian's gone. There's a bit of money here, etc. We, we can work with this. But but you're right. You know, it very quickly imploded. Whereby Edin's strategy and plans were literally built on sand. You know, he professed to be an expert, but had no expertise to back it up, both in business and in and in football. And very 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 quickly unravelled. And, and and it's such a shame because, as you say, everything was there ready for success. You know, an established manager who wanted to grow the club. The fan base connected and engaged. Um, you know, we were doing everything right on and off the pitch. Um, but no, it, sadly, it wasn't like that at all. Did it? And yet, Andrew, you've been at Wembley when we played Millwall. If you're not being for the goalkeeper's fingertips stopping Billy yeah. Clark scoring after what was it, twenty odd minutes? Yeah, we'd been all over them, haven't we? Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, you're completely right, and I think I was. Although I'd heard whispers, because I've known James for a long time, we, we sort of got to know each other when I was at the TNA, and um, so I, you know, always had that sort of link into the club. So you always hear that things maybe aren't quite as great as. as but that's always the case, isn't it? That's yeah, always but that's just football, isn't it? Football clubs are like that, and um, 
Yeah, I, I, I remember in the in the in the pub before the game at Wembley, and quite a couple of people were saying to me, you know, if we don't win this, this could go really badly wrong really quickly. And I was like, well, you know, you know, I won't be too negative about it. You know, I could still you know, still keep the nucleus of this squad together. We can keep going. Um, but maybe that was just I think that was just the fan in me, the naivety. Absolutely. Really. And actually, um, yes, there were there were cracks, there were signs, there were there was there were, you know, the, the, Phil, Phil was clearly. Uh, very perceptive about about Edin, um, and it's really interesting now looking back because we all thought that was, as James said, thought that was a bizarre decision of Phil, but clearly he saw the writing on the wall. And, uh, I think and we all saw the writing. I think it was a DVD, wasn't it? The yeah. Matter of heart. I remember I've watching that. Watched, I couldn't watch it. I remember I watching it, thinking, "My goodness, you've not watched it, Come on. I've got, I've got that, 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 <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're the, one of the lucky ones because they weren't all signed by him. I'm, I'm by him. <laughs> Um, I'm one of the lucky ones. Um, that will get better with age, that DVD. Really? You know, sadly, Edin will be a legend of this club for the wrong reasons. That one guy said downstairs, oh, yeah, hopefully, yeah. we prefer he was a myth. But, um, you know, the, D- yeah, the DVD was such a vanity project and such a mistake. Does that kind of epitomise what went wrong yeah, with yeah, the regime? Yeah, yeah very, very much so, because, you know, you know, it, it was a, a good idea in their eyes. And probably football documentaries are are always good ideas to those that want them. Uh, but I, 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 my, my advice at the time was you will be caricatured. That's how things work out. Think of Barry Fry, think of Ron Atkinson, etc. Um, you know, and there's, picture, there's videos of Eddie with walking down the steps at the middle of the hotel with his headphones in, talking business and this, that and the other. And I just, if, if I could have got hold of it, we said, this isn't a good idea. But they were thinking global at this point, bringing global sponsors. It was But what didn't work was the juxtaposition of this working class, class ethos and then, you know, two guys talking about the Premier League and... Champions League. Champions League. League oh, it was stomach-cheek, clearly, but... And, Revin Ferraris and things like that it just irked I think a few fans you know nothing wrong with wealth and nothing wrong with no. uh, you know success at all but you know the op- the opportunity to you know lay down some firm foundations bit by bit you know baby steps as to how we're going to do it uh, you know the messages were great the messages were great and we all bought into the messages there was just nothing behind it and I'm not going to blame Stefan for that because he put Edding in to run that Edding failed us all he did fail us all with with empty promises, broken promises, repeatedly. And how difficult it was it for you to leave? Um, in the end, it was very easy to leave because I had no option. Did I ever want to leave? No. You know, it was my dream job. It was almost like the, the fulcrum of my career coming together. I'd been at the BBC and I was so proud as punch that I'd achieved my career ambition being a journalist, and I had a business that was going well. So to to combine the two marketing and business acumen with broadcasting and, 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 and communications was like a dream come true. I genuinely thought I'd be carried out of Bradford City in a box when I was older, hopefully. <laughs> I would have stayed there forever in whatever league. And I and I firmly said I will only leave this club if the owners don't want me here anymore. Um, and actually that's how it turned out to be. The owners that was Edin and Stefan and probably Edin poisoned Stefan to some extent because I worked with Edin every day it got to the point where I was getting maybe not ill but so stressed scratching the back of my head when I was in bed you know cold sores uh, uh, eczema because I couldn't change him and I felt like I was in a marriage where I was trying to stay with my partner for the sake of the kids i.e. the club but I, we just couldn't get on we could not get on and he was doing things that I thought were 
incorrect, immoral, not in keeping with the Bantam's family, the whole idea of Bradford City. It broke my heart to leave, but I felt like I just had to do it. And as Andrew said, we've got a good relationship uh, as friends, but also as Bradfordians. And I thought that by leaving, I was almost being the canary in the coal mine to say, if I'm leaving my dream job without anything to go to, then hopefully people will go, ooh, S-H-I-T, things, <laughs> things maybe aren't so good. So let's try and finish on a positive note. Let's yep. try and wrap things up to say... Bradford City are probably going to get relegated in, a, in, in sooner rather than later. How can we... I mean, we, we've had an event today, we've had a series of talks here, and I think it's trying to make that little bit of a difference to try and make Bradford, the city of Bradford, different on a match day. But, and try to do as, what we can, the best we can. What do you think, James and Andrew? What, where do we go now, Andrew? Where do we go? Um, well, I think, you're, you know, as I say, it's hard, really hard for us as fans to change the, the football um, on the pitch. I think... For what it's worth, I think in Gary Bowyer we've got a man who can do that for us. I think he's a great appointment, and um, I think we all need to rally behind him. Um, I think you know what you've talked about today um, in terms of creating a kind of fan-led sort of um, really spirit around the club, around the city, um, around places like Record Cafe, which are the kind of heart of um, the match day experience for so many of us, and make it you know the reason I, you know, part of the reason. That, I've bothered to come down today, you know, because I've given up you know, truth on this season. It's because of this, you know, because yeah. and so that's still, you know, I still do a 200, 200 mile round trip today to come to this um, because of the stuff around around the football. So we've got to make that feel special again and positive as much as possible because it has been such a gloomy season. So um, I think events like you put on today are great. I think we need to try to get the football club part of that, doing stuff that really involves the, the football club. I, I think with Julian and Gary and people like that, they will buy into that. I think um, you know, I, you know, it's hard to know where the club's going to go under Stefan, but I, you know, I think we've just got to give him, a, got to give him the benefit of the doubt at the moment because he is the, he is, he is the only one who can really uh, um, kind of finance this because I can't see any white eyes on the horizon um, other than him. So, so I think you know, fans have got to be positive. We've got to. The good thing is, it's not that long ago that we had something really special. So there's a kind of blueprint there, and we've got to try to take the, the bits of that, get it back again, um, and then I think the football will hopefully take care of itself. What do you think, James? What, yeah. what can we do next season that's going to be different? What well, are you going to do next season? <laughs> it's going to be different. Well, as it stands, as this moment in time, I'll be on the terraces. Although they've been terraces for a while, but yeah, I, 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 I'm a fan. I'd love to play a small part if it, if it was welcome, but every fan can play their part like you're doing today and everyone who's turned up to uh, uh, the record cafe and Andrew you know we are the sum of our parts and it's cliche to say that football fans do own the club it just happens that Stefan Rupp is the current legal owner of the club but you know we will be here long after Stefan or Julian or Mark Lawn or Eddie Wright or Jeffrey Richmond or Stefan Eggebottom or whoever's coming after that so we, we've got responsibility to our club and our city to do what we can and I fully understand any fan who has uh, not come to games this year or felt an apathy etc that is understandable they've not they've not given up on Bradford City they might just have been at odds with the owner you know so when everyone talks about Bradford City in the good old days their first games or when they were in love with the club you know there's no guarantee when that will come back but it will come back <laughs> it might be next season 
might be in five or six, seven seasons. So no one's giving it up. It might be it? in an hour. It might, it might be in an hour. And we're <laughs> it might win five nil. Listen, we probably will win five nil today, and that might come back to haunt me. And we might stay up with the last kick of the game. Or true to form, what will happen is we'll win every game and go down on goal defence. You know, plucky defeat. But everyone can play their part. So well done to yourself, David. You know, Jason McKeon's piece this week I thought was excellent. But you know, but it but it's really simple. And again. Julian taught me very early on in my tenure at Brad- Bradford football is really really simple you know give them what they want as often as they, they want that's, that's the fans as it were we get a lot wrong at Bradford you know behind the scenes and that's because it's we're still you know a, a small business you know that has to cut cloth a corner we've got no waste as we can you know splurge behind the scenes but we can all play our little part and I, th- I think the sum of our parts is as Andrew said Get, get a couple of players down to this today that are on the fringe. Get, uh, get a couple of the young lads down. Retweet the fact that this is going on. You know, talk about all the good things that's going on outside the club. Don't see fans groups or influencers as threats. See them as part of the process going forward. Be really transparent. Be honest. Explain why you can't divulge certain things because you're a business, etc. Always signing players, etc. Just get back to being what we were. Reset button. And you know, Phil Parkinson's team was a reset button, you know, of our great team in the past. You know, four four twos, fast pacey wingers, ugly hard centre backs, domineering midfielders, players that love playing for Bradford City that you know, even if we get beat, we're proud to be Bradford City fans. No one's been proud to be a City fan for a long time. And I said it earlier on, we all want to fall in love with our club again. And my argument would be Let's have one big love project. Let's talk about why we love Bradford City because it isn't winning matches. It's not why Andrew's here. It's not why we're doing this. It's all the rigmarole and the nuances and the 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 the, the, the things we started about. The the nods, the knowing winks. The you were at that game, and it's not the winning. You don't support your club to win. That's not a guarantee. You support it for the whole family ethos. Indeed. Well, I think that's a great <laughs> thing to finish on, James. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, James. Pleasure. Let's hope there's a miracle end this season, but who who knows in the great story Bradford City. Cheers, gentlemen.